and Brad and Rick decided to start a podcast, so now Brad and Rick also have a podcast. Well, Brad, here we are. So uh, let's call this the uh, quarantine cast. This is quarantine cast 2020. Brad and Rick also have a podcast brought to you live, virtual, over the internet for the first time ever by audience demand. It's real. Oh, it's it's as real as it's ever been, gentlemen and ladies and kids and I don't know. No one's listening. I to this. really There's hope that really. there are no kids listening <laughs> to this. I mean, I generally kind of watch what I'm saying when I'm on the internet, uh, but, uh, you know, there's no reason for that, really. If there are any kids listening to this, I want you to know one thing, that everything that Brad and Rick also have a podcast says is 100% legitimate and true, and that you should model your life after us. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's real. (laughs) Well, at any rate, uh, I guess you figured it out, uh, but... uh... Welcome to Brad and Rick also have a podcast uh, uh, coming coming at you a little bit sooner than an entire year from the last time we sent one out. So, you know, that's going for us pretty well. We're modeling a thing here which might actually cause Brad and Rick also have a podcast to come to you more frequently than once every 12 months because I am in Northern Virginia. Brad is in Pennsylvania, and we are telepresencing our way uh, into your ear holes through a variety of technical solutions. Which, in reality, yes, Rick is absolutely quarantined to his home. And yes, I don't go anywhere other than my essential job for the internet. But, you know, we uh, we clearly don't get together often enough to do this properly, so... Uh, Maybe this will be a prototype of just ways, even after everything goes back to relative normalcy, that we still just do this anyway. And if you're listening to this podcast beyond the year 2020, uh, and in case you haven't figured it out through context yet, we're all locked down for COVID-19 in 2020. Uh, Many states have been instructed to shelter in place their citizens, essential services only, uh, life is fucked, and that is the environment through which this podcast comes to you right now, dear reader. And uh, I'm led to believe you might know a little more about this because it actually matters to you what with it being where you live, but isn't Virginia on complete stay-at-home lockdown until like the end of like mid-May or something already? So Virginia, Maryland, and D.C. in roughly simultaneity uh, issued a stay-at-home order for something like a month or more uh, last week. Um, The state of California, Washington, you know, a number of other states have issued shelter-in-place orders for, you know, essentially the foreseeable future. Anything with a specific end date you should look at with not a whole lot of precision, right? It's just a matter of when the next decision is as as to when you're going to stop it. Um, Yeah, um and I know, I know Maryland has, I think Maryland, is, which is, I work in Maryland, I live in Pennsylvania. Uh, I think Maryland has some sort of curfew in effect, or they actually, I think, just changed it to 24 hours a day. And it's actually possible to get fined and pulled over for 
merely being on the road right now. My employer actually had to uh, give me a letter that I can carry around with me to verify, and as much as a letter that you carry around with you on a sheet of paper can be, uh, that you are an essential employee, and thereby it makes sense for you to be out and about. Yeah. So yeah, Brad. And, and Brad Pens- is Pens- in the uh, you're, you're in like the elite class of individuals who actually can leave their houses right now without being in violation of the law. Yes, uh, I don't even uh, and because and because it's if I just stop on the way to and from work, I'm pretty sure I wouldn't even have to argue with whether or not I went to the store or not. Yeah. <coughs> yeah. So it's it's uh it's pretty interesting. I mean, I, I have not been more than 50 feet outside of my front door in the last three weeks and it's it's a little weird so have you actually had enough food and stuff there or uh, since you're since you're in an urban enough area have you just gotten like uh amazon fresh delivered or something like that well so grace has been going out to the grocery store like once a week or so uh i just happen to have not been on going out into the grocery store duty um and just in general, I'm trying to like not expose myself to society as much as possible to try to be like truly locked down and quarantined. Um, that's one of the things that we kind of ask people to do for work is like try to not be a part of the problem and try to protect yourself as well. So uh, I've just been this, this, my world has shrunk down to about eight thousand square feet, and it's uh, it feels really weird. I'm we're fortunate to live in the year 2020, right? Because, you know, I can access the entire world through this office that I'm sitting in here right now, which is kind of amazing. And uh, if this happened 20, 30 years ago, I, I can only imagine how awful it would be. Oh, absolutely. Uh, like uh, when you look back at the uh, at the influ- influenza pandemic of 1918, uh which is often insensitively called the Spanish flu. Uh, you look at back then where uh, we didn't even have telephones or anything like that for the most part. Um, I guess they kind of sort of existed as a technology, but uh, I don't think they were rolled out yet by then. I might be wrong. I'm not an historian. Nothing like uh, this. Yeah. But yeah, it was not, it was absolutely nothing like where you turn the TV on and it's and and with a, with a webcam and, or, or heck a magic space device from the future you're holding in your hand gives you the ability to talk to your friend as if they're in the room with you. You know, that's, that's something that's, that's something that people would have assumed was at a star Trek back even in the seventies, you know? Yeah. The, the, one of the things that I think is fascinating about this whole experience is, uh, we are to, to first order. We are confined to our homes, right? Nobody can yeah. leave other than for essentials. Uh, and I feel which like essentials, which essentials, by the way, are considered like, uh, like largely in most states, essentials are like the grocery store to get uh, for food and that kind of thing. Or hardware stores are considered essential in Pennsylvania. Interestingly enough, beer distributors are also essential. Uh, I happen to appreciate that one. Oh yeah, but uh, you know, stuff like that. Maryland has similar rules. Um, so just to give you an idea, if you're listening to this at a, in a state that doesn't have any of this. Or if you're looking at this as a time vault from a hundred years from now, uh, because yeah, Brad and Rick also have a podcast that's going to be put into the time vault for future generations. 
to understand our society. I, I actually believe that that's true because we are, in fact, cultural icons. Uh, let's see. Uh, I know a relatively popular podcast is considered, they call themselves D-list internet celebrities. I'm like friends with the main guy, I'm the main guy in that. So what's that make us like F-list? I'm thinking E-list. E-list. So you're saying only one down from that. Oh That's yeah. Cool. We're only one down from that. Well, technically we have our own website. Yes. Technically, kinda. No, we're real. We have our own band. We have our own website. We have our own beard line. We're real. That's true. I forget if I actually set up manchildbrewing.com, any of the subdomains to direct to here, but I definitely should. Yeah, that'll probably happen at some point. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I'll look out for that. Yeah, multi-level marketing. Yeah, beyond that means something different, but I'm going with it. <laughs> multi-level marketing for the Beyond Caring Media Network virtually in your house sorry i think i meant cross promotion but it's both it's fine <laughs> yeah i was going with the multi-level because i like the idea that we're some kind of weird pyramid scheme too if you send brad twelve dollars and then brad sends seven of his friends twenty four dollars then you can buy a corvette dear reader and that's a promise we make to you uh, without guarantees, uh, but it, we'll give you our word that we don't guarantee it. I guarantee that you will be satisfied with the service that you receive from Brad and Rick also have a podcast in this not pyramid scheme. Because you will get exactly what you expect to get out of us. This I guarantee. So anyway, uh, back to... <laughs> 2020 and the covids uh yeah covid19 which of course is uh corona virus 2019 because that's when they discovered it uh the biggest problem with it of course is why it's so why we're all in our homes is because uh it's a particular mutation that we have no cure for at this point and no preventative me measures for it so they're having us all confined to our home because the only way to prevent an infectious uh, disease of any kind from being transmitted with absolute certainty is to not be any near anyone that could possibly have it. Yep. We have, this is society before modern science. Like th that's what this is that we're experiencing right now of the most simplistic and natural cure for any kind of pandemic, epidemic, whatever you might want to call it. You just can't be around other people. And it, we are a social species and it is massively impactful in both ways that we can see and ways that we can't. So it's, it's fascinating to kind of watch it. And, and I will say, you know, again, from the 2020 perspective, uh, I feel almost more connected to, you know, friends and, and whatnot that are uh, not in my region than I am most of the time, right? Like this has kind of broken down the barriers that exist in terms of who's 10 miles away, 100 miles away, and 1,000 miles away. We're all kind of in the same boat. It's uh, it's really interesting. Yeah, because I think, I think not to sound too insensitive, but I mean, uh, the way human beings, and, and we've seen it in our group especially, and I'm no, I'm no exception here, uh, is that uh, although we're social species and we uh, largely require and enjoy uh, – having the actual interaction with others uh 
you will usually take the physical in-person interaction over other means. So whenever, whenever you have friends such as Rick here that are uh, like two hours away, which isn't that far, uh, you still don't end up having these kind of conferences or whatnot because you're you're too you're too busy actually hanging out with people that you could be with right then and there, you know. But now everybody's on the same footing. It doesn't matter if you're your, if they're your neighbor or if they're twelve hundred miles away, you know. It's uh, it's the same. It's you're getting the same level of interaction with everybody as long as they're willing to participate. Yeah, this this is the um I feel like I've actually been thinking this a lot, Brad. Like the this is a terrible thing, right? That's happening. A lot of people are dying. This is not a good thing for the culture, for the species and all that. However, um there are some things that are gonna come out of this that are actually really good, right? And some of those things are um I feel like we're really leaning into the the promise of the internet in this whole experience, right? The, the idea that you can be just as close with someone on the other side of the world as you are with uh, your neighbor, like you were saying, or your friends that live in the same town as you. Um, we're breaking down some barriers here that are at that like first and second orbit from our social circles. Uh, social circles. Um, I think a lot of interesting stuff is going to come out of that. And, and we're not going to really give it up uh, when we're done with all this madness, right. Of being locked in the house. Now, all these, uh, all these creature comforts we're talking about that are, uh, that are contributing to our ability to still exist and basically coexist, even if only virtually, uh, are all based on and around services such as the internet access being, readily available and ever present in everyone's home which brings us back to the point we've made on multiple podcasts trumpnet yeah uh, i was actually in the back of my head as i was saying all that it was trumpnet of uh imagine how important global access the world wide web is when you think about what we're all leaning into right now uh i mean brad you're two hours away. The conversation that we're having right now and the relationship that we're having right now, you know, minus the fact that we've, you know, spent lots of time together or whatever, like you could have this with someone in South Africa, Uzbekistan, Australia, Norway, Argentina. It doesn't or matter. My bro- or my brother that's actually in Germany. We've done stuff like this. Oddly, not recently, because it seems like texting back and forth has been fine. But uh, I guess part of the idea is again, we're not used to, uh, we're not, we're not that used to being in this sort of thing. Uh, so since we don't see each other often, it unfortunate we just kind of drifted apart enough that we just kind of don't require that. But I'm thinking we. Like, there's really no reason we couldn't just do something like this because it's occurring to me, other than the fact that we're paying for internet access, no aspect of anything Rick and I, that's no aspect of anything that's bringing you, Rick, Brad and Rick, also have a podcast, costs any of us any money. Not a dime. Because every, every device we're using for this was not obtained for this purpose. Like this microphone I'm talking into, we use for karaoke parties. And it's a friend of mine's extra microphone that he actually forgot 
he gave me so long ago that when I told him I had it, he forgot that he owned it. And this microphone that I'm using right now is used for the recording of Necrovist and Ricky Timbo albums. Yeah. Now, un- now, just to give you another idea how little we paid for this, is that currently this microphone that, again, is so forgotten it might as well be free, is currently mounted with Velcro cable management straps to the chair that I'm sitting in via a vase with uh, wrapped in a sock so that it uh, so that it mitigates some of the vibrations. I have been looking at this mic stand arrangement that you've got here because Brad and I have each other up on on video as well while we're doing this podcast. I've been looking at this mic stand just scratching my head thinking what in the <laughs> fuck is this thing for the last 30 minutes. I uh my engineering background is Unfortunately, the most apparent with these bullshit little things I come up with um, than anything actually uh, real. Uh, I guess the fact that you don't that the stuff around my house isn't immediately noticeable when you walk in means I do that well too. But because <laughs> you know the best thing, the most important thing about fixing something in general, even if you're just doing handyman stuff, is that someone walks in and thinks nothing is weird. <laughs> oh yeah, no, you, you walk in the house and you're like, oh, this is all just very convenient, like. Oh, that just works. This just works. You don't think about how much blood, sweat, and tears went into actually making that a reality. Yeah, which, uh, back to the internet idea there, though, that also goes for, uh, most people don't think anything about how their internet connection set up. They just know that the cable company gave them a box that they plug in with two wires, basically. And for a lot of people, they don't even have why they don't even have wired internet in their house. Like they'll just be, they'll just have your cable modem or whatever it is. And that has the wireless and everything built into it. So they just plug it in. And as far as they're aware, it just works. And suddenly their phone can connect and not need to use the, uh, their phone or laptop can connect to it without having to use the airwaves outside of your home, you know? Oh yeah. No, it's all magic. Now me being an, I, IT professional, uh, mine is notably more complicated than that, but that's really not important for this. That is also <laughs> one of those things I've been noticing as uh, as I coordinate with all the the crew on this whole thing. Like my my network here in uh, in Graceland, which is the name of my home, uh, is very simplistic. It's very consumer grade, but I know Brad, you, and, and Brinker as well have these extraordinarily complex like homebrew solutions for internet serving in your houses. Which really the most complex thing about it, once it's up and running, the most complex thing about its operation is is pretty much when something breaks. But, you know, the old, have you tried turning it off and then on again, largely works still. Um, it's just even more annoying when you have to do it because you've put all this effort into making sure it has uptime and is monitored and everything. And then you'll still have a crash anyway. So, you know. You got to figure whether it's a cheap run-of-the-mill off-the-shelf system or something you're attempting to make enterprise grade by programming the hell out of it. It still crashes on you anyway. <laughs> now, yeah, so he was saying his is simplistic. It's pretty much that device you plug in and then things work. Uh, I, I think you all. I couldn't imagine something a whole lot more simplistic than my network. I mean, I, I'm I'm uh, on BIOS, right? So. I literally have a Ethernet cable 
which comes out of a mysterious box on the outside of my house, which I have no ability or responsibility to manage. It goes directly down to my router and that just blasts Wi-Fi. And uh, I've got a wired solution here in the house, or at least a semi-wired solution here in the house through a couple of intermediaries. Yeah, it goes through the power outlet. Yeah, the power. Yeah, through the... Uh, which, again, this is all fucking magic, right? Like, I, I've got a cable <laughs> that I don't understand. I plug it into something, and it gets blown out through wireless and through my power lines, uh, which then brings all this this goodness to light. And if you're gonna if you're gonna be completely honest, pretty much the way you're doing it, if you kind of just look at it in the aggregate, it's pretty much the way people that know nothing about computers would assume that it should work. Like, there's wires in the wall. Why does it matter if they're power or internet wires? You should just be able to use them for whatever you want. I know. Like that's a, that's kind of what you're doing. I wish I knew less about it so that I could be less impressed. Because I'm looking at it, I'm like, man, this is just. <laughs> My house was built before the internet was a thing. And yet the power lines that were laid down in like 1950 or 60 or whatever are being used to transmit. Brad and Rick also have a podcast in 2020. How fucking incredible is that? That's right. Because you're in your office upstairs. Your internet comes in the house in your basement. It's running through the power outlet to your computer where you have this set to, set, set to be connect, connecting all this up. That's exactly right. It, it's like reverse fucking magic. Yeah. Speaking of magic, uh, let's see. I'm looking at the number of devices it takes to get from, uh, to get, get from the, uh, where the cable comes into my house to the, to, to the microphone. And it's absurdly complex when you're looking at the number of things in play here. It's, uh, <laughs> It's, it's, even though I mostly understand it, it's still, it still kind of comes off as magic because when it's working properly, you just do it and you don't even think about it, you know? Yeah. So, so to go way, 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 way back to the situation that we're all in right now, uh, Brad, you have been leaving the house every day to go and provide essential services to humanity. And, and yes, because with everybody stuck at their home, uh, the company I work for has a uh, specific, I don't want to call it a responsibility, but, uh, you know, it's its an obvious use that, you know, if you're stuck at home, a company that ships, that does nothing but ship things to your house, you know, basically we are arguably one of the more essential things for keeping everybody willing to stay in their house because uh it doesn't matter what you need you can just uh click up on the uh click up on your little internet box there and uh say hey uh, well not toilet paper because we're all out of that but uh <laughs> most things you can just click it up and it'll go show up in your doorstep in a couple days you know so so as a man who has not set foot outside of his property in three weeks how is the world right now? It's less crowded, but it's uh, shockingly about the same. Uh, now, granted, even though I've been driving about an hour to get to work every day into a warehouse where I interact with, you know, dozens, if not hundreds of people every day, uh, there's been 
I make every effort to not do much of anything other than just get in my car and drive home. So there's the there's the stopping at the gas station and noticing that there are interestingly just as many people there as there are during every rush hour when I get out of work, which you'd think would be you'd think there'd be less people. But again, the gas station I go to is right next to the warehouse with a thousand people in it that also many of which just got off work, so I guess it makes sense. Uh, Generally speaking, uh, during the heart of rush hour in the metropolitan area of Baltimore, Maryland, it's about the level, most days, it's about the level of traffic you'd expect from like four in the morning in the middle of the day during rush hour, you know. Uh, That being said, Thursday was as busy as it ever is outside of there being, they're not outside of me still being able to move at least. So that kind of bothered me. Also, I managed that this on Friday, which I know might have been the wrong day to go. I decided to venture to the grocery store on the way home because there were. And I, it's it's a weakness of mine. I actually like fresh vegetables. I know that's crazy, uh, but uh, yeah, unfortunately, you can't keep those for months on end. So you do have to go to the grocery store and pick those up every now and then. And uh, yeah, so at work we're doing all this stuff to make sure everybody's staying six feet apart. We have like uh, dividers up, you know, like like at the bank where they have those ropes that tell you to how to stay, how to wait in line and all that. In front of the time clocks, we have those laid out. There's stuff taped on all the main walkways telling you to stay on both sides of the big of the long walkway so that you're six feet or maybe even more like ten feet in the case of our main walkway and everything. And people's people still don't necessarily always pay attention to it but generally at work because there's stuff everywhere listed that they're supposed to be doing this and they're staggering all the breaks and everything to make sure there aren't crowds of people at the break times and all like i end up feeling pretty safe at work like i don't i don't worry too much that i'm gonna automatically catch something from somebody because generally more people are paying attention to the rules than not but i went to this grocery store on friday after work and outside of someone like going up to get coming up to me to like give me a shoulder rub or something like that, no one was given a damn about trying to stay away from each other in this place. It was because I'm aware of what's going on and I and I care. It was terrifying wow. <laughs> because everybody was just walking right by me. I'd like try to move out of the way and then they'd like almost swerve near me like it was. And normally you don't pay attention to this, but like you're trying to keep your six foot bubble around you. And it's that's, insanely that's the difficult. Thing, like, nobody. Okay. So I'm going to interrupt you real quick. Um, I work in a field, which is populated by a lot of scientists and engineers. And I learned before we went into social distancing, because we actually leaned into this pretty hard before the rest of society did. Um, nobody knows what six feet looks like. Fucking nobody. Right. Six six feet's actually a pretty long distance. You know, like I'm six feet tall. If I lay on the floor, it's actually a surprising distance away from where you started. Right. Like it's basically, oh, if you reach your hand out and I reach my hand out and we can touch each other, we're way closer than six feet. If I can take a flying leap and like hit you, then that's a little bit more than six feet. Like that, it's it's not a short distance from the you know, like Homo sapien social brain perspective. Yeah, it's like a they. 
it's for most people if they had a normal development cycle uh fingertip to fingertip is roughly the same as your height so so yeah for the average american uh because you know you have your torso in the middle of it uh for your average for your average person uh yeah like rick was saying you need to be about a foot further away than if you were both completely reaching your arm out as as far as possible to touch each other if you're within a foot of touching each other when you both try to reach out as far as you can you're too close you're fucking up yeah that's right and and so again like i i have not been out into the into the brave new world of covid-19 universe but uh i don't know i it's really it's, interesting because before the rest of society kind of like became locked down and all that, we were trying to live this because we knew it was going to be a shit show. Like professionally, the, the organization that I work with was um, on, well, I'm not going to say the leading edge, but among the leading edge of we need to be very conservative about this. And we were trying to social distance at work and all these other things. And, um, it was really quite a struggle to try to get people to like stay six feet away from each other. We were like cramming into the opposite corners of meeting rooms and things like that. And we only did it for a week or two before we went all to work from home. So I've been working from home, of course, for like three to four weeks now. Um, hence my complete non understanding of what the world outside my front door looks like. Yeah, you're really not in a bad position being a naive to that. It's almost a better time. But anyway, yeah, so so you have been uh, headed down from southern Pennsylvania into Baltimore. You've hit some, hit some grocery stores and all that. Uh, I will say I've been, it's spring, right? Like worst spring ever, but it's spring. Uh, I've been growing some plants. I'm hoping that I can get some good fresh vegetables going here in the house because I don't think the shit is anywhere even close to being done. Um, I'm going to be very glad for my fresh vegetables here in another two, three months, I think. I think realistically, you give it another two months and uh, the, the social distancing aspect of it is probably gonna, going to have uh, run its course. Uh but I mean, that's kind of more of a hope than uh, than any sort of a idea, I guess. Yeah, you've got you've got some things to hope for. I, I will say you're also seeing the reality, right? Like how how much are we really leaning into this as a society? Because we know we have to lean into it hard for it to actually work. You know, like I uh, like again, if if the whole world did what we're doing at work. We'd probably have something, but uh, I just know, like, the only, pretty much the only place, I've managed to not have to do any, like, home projects during this time, so, like, I've gone to the gas station, not gone inside, you know, I just, I use hand sanitizer and whatnot whenever I get done, you know, because I touch the pump that the general public's been touching all day, you know, stuff like that. Then I go to the grocery store, and that's really the closest I get to people I don't work with, um, and uh yeah based on how that grocery store works and how many people are still on the roads i um uh, we might have a real long journey ahead of us how how has your work site been in terms of uh covid cases our specific site has no verified cases at it uh to date uh 
So that either means it's working or it's the matter of it being like, like a couple weeks before you even know. So like, it's my mentality that I would almost bet money it's absolute someone in that building's a carrier. But the key is that being a carrier doesn't automatically mean you give give the virus to people around you. If you don't, like if you manage to not breathe on them or they don't or you're or everyone around you is following the right guidelines, being in the same room as someone that has it won't automatically expose you to it per se. But, you know, you got to you can't assume that it's everything's going correctly because, you know, both the sick person and everyone else around them has to be following the rules properly or else uh, everyone's everyone's fucked. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's just. Uh, I like to th- I, I legitimately think that. Rather or not, it needs to happen or not, I think in a, in a, in, in a couple months, so like by the end of June. It's probably going to the stuff's probably going to end up getting lifted because I I think the way society tends to work, uh, rather it's needed or not. I don't think we're going to have the fortitude to stay with it as a as a society, unfortunately. Yeah, that, that that's honestly, it's like one of my biggest worries, right? That we're, we're going to at least in the, you know, the Western Hemisphere, right? We're going into the summer. Um Maybe if we're lucky, the virus will be kind of uh, tamped down by the warm weather and everyone's going to go back to normal. And then all of a sudden, the shit is just going to pop when we hit the fall in the winter and it's going to get even worse. Uh, Because, yeah, you're right. We're we're in like I've been doing three weeks of this and I'm starting to feel it. Right. A lot of people have only been doing it for like one, two weeks. Uh, And Like I'm not. And I'm mostly getting the experience from my fiance, which is which is upstairs, and she's a school teacher, so she's been dealing with. So we're we're, you know, I'm not really ashamed to say it. You know, we're we're millennials. Uh, the problem is that everyone assumes every young person's a millennial now and starts blaming all these spring breakers on me and shit like that. Be like, man, I'm trying harder than literally anyone else to not associate anybody that i can get away with not doing don't be blaming us for this but regardless um so she's a school teacher and uh, with 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 people and they're moving largely to cyber school is what they're calling it around here where she's trying to teach all of her students over the internet and whatnot and my understanding is that one of the struggles at least the on week one especially was that uh a lot of her coworkers uh, aren't really the most savvy with the kind of technology that are needed, and I mean, she's she's no expert, but uh, you know, compared to me that does it for a living, I'm saying that. Uh, but uh, but yeah, like some of these people are just apparently completely inept at the entire concept of using your computer to contact to talk to somebody. I guess. Uh, so she's been stuck in the house and since I've been able to go to the grocery store since I have to go out anyway she just hasn't been leaving at all and it's hitting her a little bit more now that being said it is good that I have a space I can just kind of go down to when I get home because even though she's been technically alone in the house she's far more introverted than than than, than not so the fact that she's been on video conference with people all day 
largely having to argue with them about things. She's at, it's actually almost the same kind of state as she is when she's going physically there, except it's worse because now since she's the one that knows more about the technology they all have to be using, now she has to answer to them more. So it's actually good I have a place that the house is big enough that I kind of have my own space because she doesn't really want any more human interaction by the time I get home because that's roughly when her work day ends. Yeah, that that's Grace and I are super fortunate in that we have a large enough space that we can both kind of retreat to our own corners. Like I've got my office here. She's got her office. We've got, of course, shared spaces that we can uh, see each other, but we're seeing each other all the time. And uh, we can actually like get away from each other when necessary because I've, I've seen plenty of people who, I mean, imagine this. You're in the DC area, right? Uh, large urban area. Uh, a lot of people have like a one bedroom and maybe a den apartment with one or two children and two adults. And now they're locked into that situation for like two months. I mean, how many murders are going to happen because of that? (laughs) Yeah. Like I'm, I'm happy that I live in a rural enough area that even before I got the job that I have now that I'm making decent money, uh, I'm fortunate enough that I live in an area where the housing values were low enough that that I that I was able to buy this like a nice three bedroom house or whatnot. So, uh, so there is enough space that I we can just kind of. There's only two people in the house, and we can pretty much have each have a half of the house to ourselves. And outside of me having to walk upstairs because I didn't bother installing the bathroom in the basement yet, uh, I could. Other than to go to the bathroom and to eat, I could just stay downstairs. And that's where the keg's at, too. So, you know. And actually, I I will say, in this kind of environment, this is one of those things of, if you're a couple, um, normally you spend, like, maybe a couple hours a day really, like, together, right? You both come back from work. You're done with all the things you have to do. You have your together time. But now you're spending, like, 14 hours a day together where you're not sleeping or whatever. Yeah, because technically, even if you're together when you're asleep, you're not really with anybody. It like kind of doesn't count, right? Like that's the same. But it's not a bad thing to have to distance yourself from one another during the day because it's just it's a little bit much if you're just gonna be together all the time for like two months straight. It's uh, it's not a good idea, and it's 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 interesting seeing all the uh, obviously the introvert versus extrovert thing. Like the joke on one of the big, there's lots of jokes on the internet because everyone's stuck at home, so memes are just the new way of talking. Uh, but uh, either way, uh, one of the interesting things I see with the introvert versus the extrovert is that the obvious obvious thing with introverts is that they've been training their whole lives for this, you know. But turns out even your most introverted person still needs a little bit of that human interaction. On the other side of things, you have all the extroverts that are used to going out and hanging out with people all the time. And then they get stuck at home where they have to hang out with, you know, a few very specific people. And then it drives them nuts because, A, they're not able to communicate with all these different people. But oddly, these people that absolutely require you know, as, as, as social feed, basically, uh, to interact with others, 
also get completely sick of interacting with people in their own home. It's it's just fascinating looking at the way this all pans out for people. It, it is in the era of the internet. It's been oh, okay. So like my little microcosm of this, right? Grace is definitely a hard introvert. Um, she exemplifies the term, right? I am not a hard extrovert, but I am way more extroverted than she is. So, you know, I've been up here in my office just reaching out and touching as much of the world as I possibly can, right? Like lots of video conferences and hangouts and whatever else, like hanging out with people, playing games, whatever, that we got all kinds of stuff going on. Uh, I think that she is starting to hit her saturation point of like introversion time is over at like week three of I want to leave the house and go out and see people. So I think we're like finding the the human minimum for how much is enough. Yeah. Uh, so, but again, I, I admittedly don't have the most pure experience with this because again, I work in a warehouse full of like a thousand people. And I still have the team of people that, I mean, yeah, because there are, there, are, there, are, uh, there's a lot of labor rules that we put in place where uh, people don't get docked if they don't show up to work now, uh, which is a very important thing, and I'm glad they did, because uh, like, well, they're not getting paid because you're not working, you know. If you actually get sick, we'll pay you two weeks uh, for it automatic, which is of course the CDC recommended time it takes to recover or something once you're sure you're sick, but. uh so yeah, there are less people showing up, so the workload's harder on the people that are there because online retailers, they're not losing business right now. Let's just say that. <laughs> you know. But uh so I don't really have a pure experience with this because I still see lots of people every day. It's just that whenever I stop being paid to be with them, I no longer I feel I have an obligation to stop being with anybody because and especially even more so because I'm going out there interacting with with a hundred hundreds of people, hundred people every day. I feel like I should just go home and stay away from everybody even harder because who knows what I might have caught while I was working, you know. So like, I'm Easter's coming up, and normally that's you know a very important holiday for my religion, and uh, I'm gonna be watching a stream on my television in the basement, you know, more or less alone, you know. Instead of hanging out, instead of being with the family and having it be a communal thing. So, like, my work life hasn't changed, but my personal life is, is my personal life is what's, I guess, suffering from this, which, in the whole scheme of things, I guess I have it better off than most. How, how have you seen your family life change because of all this? There's a lot more, uh, there's a lot more like Facebook chats that are going on. Like I noticed there's a lot more messages being sent back and forth, but uh, at least for me, there haven't like with my parents, we haven't done like a video chat or anything like that, but we have been on the phone a few times and like, usually I'm used to seeing them every, every Sunday. So we don't typically call and talk, but like there's actually been a couple phone calls here or there, but it's not like a weekly thing. So we definitely communicate less, but I notice certain forms of communication have definitely gotten a lot more frequent. Um, like, uh, I think my mother has been talking with my brother a lot more, though, which is, which is again, interesting. It goes back to the thing where someone's thousands of miles away, but 
for whatever reason, now that you're not allowed to talk to anybody else either, now suddenly you're talking to everybody, you know, online at, at like the same frequency. So like, right. I think she's it's, communicating it's with just my brother easy. even more. It's just as easy to talk to him as it is to talk to you. So like, you actually get a little bit more of an even treatment. Just like I actually, it sounds weird, but because every most of my friends are stuck in their homes, I almost feel like I've talked more now because uh, I I know I'm a little bit extroverted, but I'm also cheap, so <laughs> I use. So uh, when everybody was out going out and doing things, probably three quarters of the time I wouldn't go. Uh, so I'm actually in contact with people more now than I think I was before the quarantine because everybody's online with nothing to do but talk, and a lot of our forms of communication are communal. So they're not. It's not that they're just talking to me; they're talking to everybody, but they're talking in a way that I hear it, basically. Yeah, it's. Um... Yeah, it's been kind of interesting from a from like a what everyone is doing perspective. Like uh, for me, I've I've leaned into like online gaming. I, I've been trying to find things that we can do together um, that we we do once in a while, but like more, with much more frequency now. Like uh, Brinker and I and and Wyatt, uh, we were trying to like set up some dungeon lords. I mean, and now we, we might have to end up talking about Dungeon Lords, but uh, it's this ridiculous game that came out well over a decade ago that was very broken and uh, somewhat terrible, but was fixed to be pretty playable. And uh, it's just like become a cultural icon amongst our little group. And uh, I was I was just like, we should play this game again. And it, it actually became a thing because we're all craving social interaction so much that we will do anything. <laughs> now, that being said, you guys love this game. Oh, we do really uh, love this game. Like, unironically, too. Like, I think you legitimately love this game. And I think all the bugs, you either enjoyed them. I think you enjoyed the bugs for what they, because of how absurd it was that they're everywhere. At the same time, I feel like you like you loved this game and what it needed to be so hard that it felt like it was cutting you deep every time it glitched out and broke your gameplay. That's very true, especially like late in the game when you're like, <laughs> "Oh yeah, we're like halfway through the main quest of this game and we just got a total game-breaking bug. I guess we got to start over now." Was that that thing where you walk through a door and uh, it counted as fall damage the entire load time on the way through, so you die every time you land you the, the the scene loaded? Yeah, that's about a third of the way through the game. But yes, that's oh, a very okay. good example. <laughs> Physics, yeah, <laughs> physics is a real problem. Out of curiosity, just with that specific one that I just pointed out, did that happen every time, or was that only if you happened to be jumping or something as you went through? It's entirely random and can oh, be okay. exacerbated by jumping and fucking around, which we actually often do because we're just dumb. And it, <laughs> the game, yeah, by well, the way, is Dungeon Lords. If, if if you're listening to this podcast and you have not played the game Dungeon Lords, go to Steam, look up Dungeon Lords. There's a Dungeon Lords Steam Edition like version 2012 or whatever. Uh, it's actually no, I, quite I, good. I have to wonder if that's the year that that edition came out or 
if that's the number of patches they had to do because of how many game breaking bugs they fixed. Those that's a similar number. <laughs> <laughs> but it, no, it's great. It's third person RPG uh, group simulation thing. It's great. I recall part of the reason you were so enthralled by it was that that wasn't really my style of game, but I recall it seemed to have a lot of really neat game mechanics that weren't really all that common at the time. So like it was it was shooting pretty high. It just couldn't make it. Uh but it was trying. That's the real it's problem. Darndest. Like if there was another game that was like Dungeon Lords that we could find to play together, we would play it. But there really isn't. It, it's uh it's a very unique in a way that I wish it wasn't, right? A unique brand of internet play, lanable, non-MMO, third-person RPG, open-world kind of thing. It seemed like it kind of exemplified a lot of the D&D kind of things that, you know, our group always, always loved, you know? Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, uh, because basically it did a lot of it, but because it was a third-person game, it, it, it made you... It made you feel like you were really controlling the character that was going through those kinds of universes. It's just unfortunately, it was uh, there was not any, there clearly wasn't any intelligent, all that much intelligent design in the uh, in in the game master for that one, and uh, it's very broken. And it's funny because through the original version, which I'll tell the story very briefly, uh, we we found out about the original version of Dungeon Lords. We got it. We played it. It was totally broken. Uh, we hated it, but we played it anyway because it was so fun. Uh, and then we took a break for like nine months or a year. And then we and then a collector's edition came out, which was less broken. So we went to the store and we bought it. We played it, and it was still very, very broken. Was it less broken at all? It was a little less broken, but not enough. That was the version that added a a, a, a heads up display map, right? It, it added map, like a mini map, <laughs> but the mini map was actually made up of of a uh, three hundred and sixty individual uncompressed bitmaps or something like that, right? That's correct. We found the bitmaps in the folder. Um, <laughs> so we got so angry at this game that we took it back. And had to have a very spirited argument with Walmart about why it was okay to return software when it was very broken. And uh, what did you convert that to? Uh, an HP printer and a Santana DVD. It was a good trade. It was a pretty good trade. And of course, there wasn't any copy protection on that. So off the record, I'm sure you still had the exact version of that game. Oh, 100%. But then it came to Steam in, in the 2010s. And we got Which it again. Also which would also mean every additional version or update you'll end up getting anyway, if anybody bothers to still update it. Right. And so we bought it again, and they actually did a lot of work to fix it. So Dungeon Lords is now a like a fully formed good game, and everyone should play it. So have you actually been playing it? Uh, we Not yet. Um, we were going to try to play it this weekend, but Brinker and his, his whole relationship, right... He has a special lady friend now, you know, special fucking lady friend. I mean, which is fine. I love that, but it's a it's, weird time to get one. But you know, it's COVID nineteen. I wanted to play Dungeon Lords all weekends, like I had nothing better to do, and uh, and and that was not possible because of Brinker's situation. 
Yeah, because uh, he's they live in very different spots and uh, decided that social distancing doesn't apply to two people that stay in each other's respective home alone. Which, I mean, to be fair, if all you do is get in your car, drive to the other person's home where they have been alone and that's it, and you've been alone, you know, I guess. But technically, Brinker is uh, risking exposing her to something she wouldn't anyway because uh, there is a grocery store worker that lives at his house. Oh, yeah. No, from his perspective, he's doing okay. From her perspective, she's accepting a massive amount of risk to date Brinker right now. And uh, and I think that should be a testament to how good Brinker is as a guy. Which, that she's willing to put up with that, you know, and, 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 and still go for it, you know. Brinker is like, patient zero. He is driving from Pennsylvania to Maryland to work. He's got a grocery store uh, employee in his home, and well, he's gonna start. He's gonna start driving to Maryland to work again. He's been working at home for the last couple weeks, but he's going down next week. Yeah, um, due to complexities, we're not gonna discuss. Uh, he'll actually end up. He's high enough level that they're calling on him to actually start coming in again for managerial reasons. But right, <laughs> because Brink is a big deal. He's not a manager. He's very specific about that. But, uh, you know, turns out when you've been there a decade, you kind of take on some of those responsibilities anyway. He's going to get drafted and hate his life at some point. Oh, there's going to be no escape. When you're in a corporation that large, especially one where they like to push people into management, well, it was actually a fun thing. Uh, I guess it doesn't matter how long this podcast is. And this happened during the COVID outbreak, so I might as well. It's related. Yeah, interestingly, during the beginning of this uh, this pandemic, we actually switched bosses, which was a really weird time because my my the boss that actually hired me in my position and got me a really good start at the company ended up getting put at the beginning of this pandemic. He got promoted. I'd call it a promotion because he'll, he'll be he, to managing sites all along the eastern seaboard, the one uh, ones that are smaller and and need and don't really have their own IT teams. So this is an odd time to be getting put into that position whenever there's a travel ban uh, corporate-wide on anything more than, you know, your direct vicinity. But either way, he was actually telling me a story about how he was almost tricked into being a manager the first time they gave him the job because he didn't fully grasp what they were asking him to do, and he's like, yeah, sure. And so he told these heartwarming stories about how it's great you know, because you actually see the human interest and the human result when you're a good manager. And, you know, some of these people, they'll remember you forever because you got them started and you had a good effect on their career and people really care about their careers. And then, you know, yada, 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 you know, uh, he wouldn't recommend it to anybody and don't pursue it ever. <laughs> so that was something because I think that guy. My 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 first boss at, the, at this company was a really good manager. He's he's definitely I only had him as my manager for about five months, but I think he's I'm, I think I'm gonna always remember him as a, as as a as the person that got me started. At what I hope I'm gonna look at in years to come to be a really solid career and saw saw what they needed to see in me to keep me going. I think that's but yeah, that's but, a very but, fair yeah. way to look at uh, the management. Uh, mentality in general like if, if you can look at your life and think i could do this forever and be really happy 
then you should probably do that. But yeah, because because there's so much bullshit that goes with being anything other than a subject matter expert and a member of the team that unless you are driven to do more, you are not going to like it. And like, I don't, I don't know that I'd make a bad manager, but I just see I'm, I really like the ability to unplug whenever I'm uh whenever I'm no longer in the office. And that's just not a thing you get if you're managing anything. Oh yeah. Big time. Uh, Cause like managers don't have shifts really. I mean, I guess if you're like at a grocery store and a normal kind of retail, maybe because like the manager of a, the manager of your local supermarket probably doesn't get called all that often because the assistant managers for any given shift probably handle most of it. But, uh, at a lot of, at a lot of big corporations, if you're in some sort of office or whatnot, uh, you're probably a 24, your job's probably 24 hours. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. I mean, and even in some of those other cases, show me a manager that doesn't end up with a 24 seven job. If someone has an EEO complaint or, uh, or again, a hostile work environment issue or something like that. Right. Like Absolutely. At, at some point it becomes like, this is your life, not your nine to five job. Right. It, it, it if you're not at peace with the fact that your work suffuses the rest of your life, then you just don't want that kind of job. And like, uh, I don't know, like my, my, this manager that I'm talking about liking so much, he actually did when he, he'd go on, he would go on vacations where he was pretty much unplugged. So you'd find someone else and tell you, yeah, you need to contact this guy for this week. Cause I'm going on where I'm going on a vacation. It's my, I'm not going to be contactable and that's, that's cool. But like, other than that, it doesn't matter what time of the night or whatever, he would always be reachable enough that like, if you, if you, I am him, he would answer, you know? Right. And, uh, at my old job, one of probably another manager, I'm going to remember forever because he's actually the only person I think in the history of this old contracting company I used to work for that actually believed and managed to succeed in getting his employees a raise to even get close to the bottom level of the industry standard for what we were doing. Uh, so by the time I left my old job, I was actually making at least the bot. You know, I was there seven years, but at that seven year point, he actually managed to fight with upper management hard enough that we all got raises that I was getting paid the bottom level of the industry standard of what I was doing, which doesn't sound like it should have been an achievement, but it was amazing. Oh yeah, <laughs> sure. Yeah. It's all about progress, right? It's not objective. It's subjective to a certain perspective. Yeah. He legitimately cared about his employees to the point where like he actually put himself on the line frequently. And uh, just for this pay raise thing alone, he actually actively got yelled at by his bosses because every single meeting about personnel or anything else, he would say, Hey, so this race is up and trying to get, uh, how are they looking? Like, what's going on with this? And they would say, you really need to stop asking us about this and be like, well, you need to give it to me. <laughs> you know, it would be that kind of thing every time. And he didn't, he didn't care. He was just unceasing. And then, you know, eventually it, it kind of worked out. Unfortunately, the same exact meeting he told me we we finally got those good raises was the meeting I told him I was already looking elsewhere. But hey, uh, he understood. And, uh, you know, 
But it's it's that was another example though. Like he was a fantastic manager, but unfortunately, you no matter what time of the night, he'd always be getting called. And that was a contracting company I used to work for. So the main company that we actually were contracted by, they'd have they'd end up reaching out to the manager uh, for any on call type thing before they'd reach out to the given employee that was getting paid to be on call. And no matter what it was, they'd always reach out to him first. So it was like countless times. It'd be like uh, 10 o'clock or, um, or three in the morning or anything. And he'd be getting a call, a conference call. He suddenly had to be on for like an hour and it'd be the middle of the night. And it, I don't know. It's just, that's what I imagine management is for a lot of people. And like, I have no desire to do that. Plus, it's more fun to actually have your hands in projects and technical things anyway, in my opinion. This is all true. I'm looking to my left, though, Brad, and I'm seeing that we've been recording this podcast for 60 minutes. It is approximately an hour, yes. And that's the general length that most people consider acceptable for uh, podcasts. And I'm going to say specifically, our loyal listeners have come to expect a runtime that's about a extremely long work commute i i think that's very fair and so not that anyone not that anybody has to worry about that but me in these dire times but and so i'm gonna get real close to the mic i'm gonna get my voice uh down like nice and deep if you're a brad and rick also have a podcast listener then what you need to do is to find your podcast machine and find a way to click the button that makes the podcast machine say that you like Brad and Rick also have a podcast. You want to subscribe to it. You want to say that it's good. I don't know how to do that because we're not actually good at having a podcast at the end of the day. And also notable is that the beyond caring podcast network is not really fully embraced social media. Yeah, no, there's no social media. There's no Venmo. If you want to send Brad and Rick also have a podcast money to become a patron, you can email Brad at Beyond Caring. No, don't do that. Uh, Brad at itsbrinker.com. Brad at itsbrinker.com. Send him your email money through whatever uh, he'll figure it out just tell him that you want to send him money and you can become a patron and then we'll give you shout outs and uh, you know like i don't know like i'll send you a brad and rick also have a podcast custom riff custom oh yeah custom riff yeah i'll write you a musician I'll, i'll write you a custom guitar lick it'll be badass you can put it in anything that you want and give us some lyrics, and maybe I'll even sing it. I do vocals time. We'll time. write you a whole song. Brad and Rick also have a podcast. The whole song. It's it's all yours for the price of whatever whatever the fuck you want. It doesn't even matter. Hey, you know what? Just email us. It's for free. I don't care. I'll write you a song. Brad and Rick also have a podcast. In no way guarantees that free will be the appropriate price for this. Yeah, I mean, like I'll do it if I want to, but yeah, you know, just. just yeah, sure. Just, you know what the hell else are you gonna do? You're in your house all day. Yeah, I don't have anything else. better to do. It's just like just, I'm protecting the nation's security and writing new podcast songs. Like I don't give a shit. 
Uh, right, like you know, you you wrote the two fat dudes a song. Sorry, the TFD Nerdcast. Yeah, TFD theme. Nerdcast. Like, not, by the way, you're aware they're using that now. It's pretty badass. No, that's good to know. I I did not know that because I've been in my house and I have not listened to podcasts for the last three weeks because my whole life is really weird. Yeah, Ricky Timbo is now featured on the TFD Nerdcast twice every episode. Well, that's well good I guess to know. thrice technically, because I think you wrote their outro too. Anyway, all right, click the thumbs up button, <laughs> click the like button, click the subscribe button to the Beyond Caring Media Network. And that's somewhere. Somewhere. Beyondcaring.itsbrinker.com will redirect you to the webpage that lets you click on the thing that redirects you to the webpage. It'll show a search query that lets you click download our podcast. That's very direct, and you should do that. And that's real. And with that, dear reader, we are, are out. Done, son. <laughs>